Amanda. Hey, Tommy. Hey, my car broke down and needed a new tire, but it's okay because Thor is going to fix it. How much did it cost? 45 bucks? Uh, he wanted 50, but I knocked him down to 45 because he's Thor. He's nice about it. That makes sense. Um, it only makes sense if it's Vincent D'Onofrio playing Thor in the 1987 classic Adventures of Babysitting. It is, and that's what we're going to talk about today. On Can We Talk About? Chris, it's Brenda. Brenda? Chris. Brenda, what's wrong? Oh, Chris, I'm in trouble. Brenda, you're always in trouble. No, I'm really in trouble. I did it. You spiked your tab with Drano? No, I ran away from home. You what? Where are you? I'm at the bus station downtown. Brenda, look, just don't go anywhere. I can't. I don't have any money. I spent it all on the cab here. Chris, I need help. I know. You're in my house. If I take a cab to the Andersons, do you think you can pay for it? Oh, no, Brenda, that's going to be like $40. I don't have $40. Well, can you pick me up? No, Brenda, I'm babysitting. Chris, I can't call anybody else. My dad doesn't know. He'd kill me if he found out. Chris, I'm begging you. It's really scary here. I've just seen three people shoot up, a bald Chinese lady with no pants on, and there's this old guy outside who wants his bedroom slippers. Get out of my house! You just moved! Can we talk about the 1987 classic, Adventures in Babysitting? Adventures in Babysitting, the song, uh, the, mo- the movie that introduced me to all the Motown songs. Because you gotta. It really did. You, nobody's leaving this place until they sing the blues. Gotta sing the nope. blues. And nobody walks out of this place without singing the blues. Um, so, quite famously, this movie is the first directorial yeah. debut uh, for Mr. Chris Columbus, who discovered the on. Harry Potter series. Yeah, he would go on to do a lot of big things. Yeah. John Hughes has nothing to do with this movie, but this is the most John Hughes, not John Hughes movie I've ever John Hughes. Oh, you know, absolutely. It, it, you definitely see the influence of John Hughes on Chris Columbus in this because. Okay. It, it also makes me wonder how much of John Hughes was Chris Columbus and vice versa. I mean, that's completely fair. Yeah. Uh, so if you have not seen this movie, this is typical 1980s, early 1990s, classic teen comedy. Would you not agree? Yeah. Like this is everything that you need in a comedy to show your child like you just did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did. What comedies used to be and how comedies could be. Also, yeah. I feel like we've really like we because we're starting this episode, we need to talk about one of the best opening scenes to a movie ever. The movie, ch- the music choice. She's oh. dancing around her room, singing to the picture of her shitty ass fucking boyfriend, kissing oh. it, getting ready for school. Like she's getting ready. She, it's just like, yeah. oh, you're in from the yeah. first like the first minute you're in. Yeah. And we talked about this a little bit in the Mystery Men episode. The mm. movie poster is so fucking iconic. Yeah, it is. It's so good. It's so good. So, yeah. yes, this is a classic that um, Tom will let you say why we decided to do this one. I don't remember why. I, I think it was just. You showed it to your kid. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, that was it. It was just, yeah. I showed, I, I, I kept going through the list and I'm, and I'm at a point now where showing my kid who's who's turning 11 all the classic 80s and even 90s kids movies this one this one showed up on the list but like this was a deep cut but here's the thing about it i loved this movie as a kid and i would watched it more it just was one of those movies that wasn't readily available like mm-hmm. goonies was everywhere but adventures in babysitting was a deep cut like you had to go to the store and rent it it wasn't something that was like on yeah. If TV. you didn't own it, it was not a Saturday yeah. morning play all day type of movie. Yeah, but can we can we talk about the cast for a second before we dive in it's any further? It's so fucking good. It's, it's not so only is good. It, not only is it so good, it it is it's a lot of like oh that guy kind of stuff. Because well, I also just found one before this, <laughs> just before we 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 hopped on. The thing with this one is like. You have those the 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 characters of the eighties yeah. and ninety movies, right? Like you have the cast of characters, 
Mm. They all, I mean, like, predominantly most of this cast went on to do more. They yeah. didn't die off in the 80s. Almost, almost all of them. <laughs> There's a few of them. But, I mean, let's start with Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. That's, let's that's start there. One. We got to start there. Who doesn't love Elizabeth Shue? And, and, and the story behind how Elizabeth Shue ended up in this movie is, in my eyes, just hilarious because it's one of those, like, we almost didn't get more Elizabeth Shue. To be clear, let me take you back to the 80s. Uh, the... Elizabeth Shue was in the Karate Kid in 1984. She's so good in the Karate Kid. So good. Who didn't love her? What boy did not, Uh, you know, fall in love with her right there? What girl did not want to be her? Yeah. And then then she's in a movie, a British horror, like a random movie called Link in 86, right? Just a small little weird horror movie. And that's it. And then Miss Shue goes off to Harvard. Yeah. She she is. is a smart cookie. This girl goes to Harvard, and then while she's in Harvard, right, she, well, to be clear, let me back up a second. She went to, um, uh, is it Wesleyan, Wesley, Wellesley, I can't pronounce it, uh, college, and then she transferred to Harvard in 85, and then she's talking to friends who were already, who were also actors because she was involved in all that, that kind of world at that point because she had been in The Karate Kid, and they're like, oh, man, we're making so much money off of doing, like, commercials and stuff. She's like, oh, maybe I'll still, like, dip my toe in. And then she gets the audition for this movie for which she drops out of school for. Just to be clear, because Elizabeth Shue, I feel like, was like such like a icon of the 80s. If you look at her resume, she really kind of wasn't until she did Adventures in Babysitting, which literally she yeah. dropped out of Harvard to go do. Uh-huh. And then she's in Cocktail, Back to the Future 2 and 3. And, and then the list goes on into the 90s at that point. But her entire career... Like she was like a blip in the karate kid and then went to college and dropped out to become the star of adventure. She did end up graduating from Harvard in 2000. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she, she does have her degree. Yes. But she was also, this is no Tino shade to our girl, Elizabeth Shue, but yeah, she really brought the, I look like I'm 40 and I'm supposed to play a 16 year old vibe. (laughs) That was the thing. Even even back in the late eighties and her. early nineties, yeah, it's not just her. But I, yeah, I can't tell. And I was watching something else this week that wasn't this movie that I was like watching. I'm like, man, I have no conception of how old people are with all the big hair and stuff. That I'm just like, it 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 goes out it the window. Add up. Yeah, no. it doesn't add up in the eighties because yeah. I'm like looking at her pictures right now, like truly yeah. staring at them. First of all, she's aged fucking fantastically. Yeah. Beautiful. She looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, she was in The Boys on Amazon. Okay. Like on Amazon I haven't Prime. seen that, so I do have to see that. But yeah. she is, you know, she's not, she is 80s movies to me. Like if you act, yeah. ask me what females look like in the 80s in movies, it's her and Molly Ringwald. Like, well, is that, is that from Back to the Future? Like, is that really where we just like sort of connect to her because she was. For me, that's Karate Kid. Oh, okay. I didn't even watch Back to the Future, the second one, until many years after it came out. Yeah. That was not, um, yeah, I didn't watch it. (laughs) I just tell you, I'm figuring it out. I'm looking at a screenshot of her, right? Okay. If you you just Google Elizabeth Shue and just go right to like Google Images, there's the the shot of her from this movie, right? Do you see, I I don't know if you're following along with me. If you're looking at the picture, she looks, her hairstyle... And even her face and that smile, she looks like the mom from Seventh Heaven. <laughs> she does. Right? Like, like, right? Like 19-year-old Elizabeth wife. <laughs> <laughs> They're a spitting image. It could be the same person. Re- they have a very similar face. And they even have that like Cupid's bow little lip thing going on. Yeah. And the hair is the same. What on what earth Seventh is Heaven? Because how old how old was Elizabeth Elizabeth Shue in um in uh, 1985. Yeah. Well, she's 59 now. So she was born in 63. So oh. what, what year What year was uh, Adventures in Babysitting? 1987. My mom had me that year. So my mother was 19 when she had me. Yeah. 19, what, 63, you said? I said? I, I'm not even paying attention to who's Someone talking said at this it. point. Someone in this podcast said, and it wasn't <laughs> me. So, oh, her uh, birthday's coming up October 6th. Oh, wow. She was 24 years old, and she looked like. The 40-something-year-old mom from 7th Heaven. She sure fucking did. On the WB Network. She sure did. Yeah. 
But give all that aside, right? Still crushing on her hard as fucking a fucking incredible. A adolescent she was boy. incredible. Yeah. She, I mean, it's funny for whatever reason they made her look older in this movie, where I think she's playing like she's playing. She's supposed to be like a high school senior, right? Yeah, and I, like let's just talk about her outfits in this movie. Yeah, like she's wearing a camel coat. With a perfectly coiffed scarf. Like, yeah. what 18-year-olds do you know are walking around in camel coats? Yeah. And, like, perfectly done hair and makeup. Not a thing out of place. It's happening back then. Just perfect 80s vibes. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we, have to talk, we have to talk about the rest of the cast, but before we do that, I, I just want to back do. up one second. I just want to back up one second, because I realized, like, we okay. just sort of jumped right into it. To, to explain what this movie is, uh, the plot of this movie is Elizabeth Shue is supposed to go on a date with her boyfriend. Do you remember who her boyfriend is? Because this will connect back to the cast anyway. Yeah, that piece of shit. Bradley Whitford. <laughs> Bradley Whitford, who never looked like a teenager. First ever of all, in his looks life. like a 55-year-old <laughs> man. When I first saw this, I remember seeing it and like she's like kissing the picture of him in her yeah. room when she's dancing around. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that must be in the movie. This is going to be like a famous musician. Not a high school boy. Bradley Whitford had a widow's peak when he was like 19 years old or whatever he's supposed he's supposed I forget how old he's supposed to be in this movie. Uh, but he is he is supposed to be he's like a college kid, right? He's like a like a fresh or a sophomore yeah, in college, I think, or something. Like that. Mike Toddwell, what a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> I hate it. So him. she's supposed to go, it's their anniversary and she's supposed to go on a date. And, and then oh man, Bradley Whitford can't do it because He's, his, his sister's sick. He's got to go home and take care of his sister. And so she's like, ah, oh, I'm kind of bummed. And then instead, by the way, to be clear, Elizabeth, she was 24, is playing 17, which is, yeah. is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's dating a college kid. So, yes, uh, all not great. To, before we continue, there's a lot of problematic things in this movie that like in the in the 2023 lens is just like Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, they did remake this movie, and you know they took everything out, like all the oh, things. Oh, one hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so she goes. So then she, uh, as luck would have it, she gets a phone call to for a babysitting gig, mm-hmm. which she goes over to babysit uh, a kid who's what two years younger than him than her at this point. That's the other thing. You're just gonna yeah. ask your seventeen year old to babysit a kid that she's in actively in high school with. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand that. And the thing is, like, I don't They don't really play. They basically play it up for like the parents just don't trust him because they still treat him like a child. But they don't do it to such an extent where it's like, oh, they shouldn't be or he deserves to be. It's just kind of like it is what it is. He's just he's not equipped to watch his younger sister. Um, And and obviously his younger sister, who's obsessed with Thor, which we'll get back to a lot. And then Mm -hmm. um, and then her friend, her best friend, Brenda. Gives her Fucking a call. Brenda. She's the issue. <laughs> Brenda is the Bre- problem. Brent Brenda's the problem. Brenda's Brenda is the catalyst to all this this uh, We've chaos. all had a Brenda friend. I'm sure I've been the Brenda friend, so I'm not gonna shit on Brenda too much. I think my but- wife has been Brenda. Like it's it's Brenda ran life. away from home, guys. Be- Brenda ran away from home. Do, do, it was it, I think there was an answer why, and I remember being something stupid, but anyway, so now she's stuck at the bus station and she needs mm-hmm. she needs her friend. Chris, which is Elizabeth Shue, to come pick her up. And then from there, hilarity ensues as she has to pile the kids into the uh, the station wagon and head off into the city. For by a night way, of misadventure. For a night of misadventures, which, by the way, uh, tagging along with Chris is uh, the, the and we can go into like the, I guess, the main part of the cast, too. So you have uh, the little girl, Sarah Anderson, who is uh, uh Maha, Maya, Maya. Maya Burston. Okay. Um, didn't really do much after this movie anyway. That's fine. You have Keith Coogan, who also to me was so much of like a, like 80 staple, but I don't even know what 100%. Anymore. I mean, he was in don't tell the, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. I think I that was the main one. I love that movie, by the way. We'll do that movie at some point. And then he's in Cheetah, one, which is another good one. Um, yeah. Toy very soldiers. like early, late eighties, early nineties yeah. base. You remember, remember, and then his uh, over-sexualized, not over, overly sexual best friend whose libido is pumping at 200%. He's uh, a tiny creep. We can say it. He's a little fucking creep. Daryl, played by 
Anthony Rapp. Who? Which I was like, oh. On, yeah, who went on to do just fine for himself? He sure did, yes. Mr. Rapp. Yes. Mr. The, the guy who was bringing down Kevin Spacey himself, Anthony Rapp, was uh, tagging along with Elizabeth Shue in the back of the station wagon. Um, and then they and they hit the highway in Chicago because, of course, and that's that's the other thing, too. It's like very John Hughes. It's Chicago. It's Chicago. Um, and then they get a flat tire and then, oh, no, Chris forgot her entire wallet and everything at home. They have no money. She's only got forty five dollars. OK, only forty five dollars. And they have to figure out how to go rescue Brenda and get back home before the parents Fucking come Brenda. home from party. I know. Brenda, um, Brenda is the issue here. Brenda is the issue. So uh, beyond the beyond Chris, Brad, Daryl, and uh, Sarah, um, who else do we have in this movie? We have Brenda. Do you know who Brenda is? Because I didn't know this until like just before we we started recording this episode. This well, is the she's part the that cop br- that Arnold Schwarzenegger falls in love yes. with in Kindergarten Cop. Well, she did the learn victim that victim or whatever. Like yeah, the, the person. Yes. Yeah, and so I didn't realize that when you see her like. I saw an interview of her in the like early nineties. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, there it is. There it is. I had to see it though. And I was like, Oh, there it is. There's the hair. She has, she is, she to me is very much the person who is like the John Hughes comic relief of this movie. By the way, just want to throw something else out there. Poor Um, because I know this connects to your world and, and the people you love. Um, do you know who else she was married to back in the 90s? Is it someone I'm going to like or someone I'm not going to like? Well, she was married um, to Will Arnett, right? Yeah. 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 For like a hot second, not long. For a hot second. Um, and then, uh, and there's a whole other cast of characters, but can we talk about the one that I'm so excited to talk about? The only one that matters. The only Thor. one that matters. So Thor himself. The, the little girl. This is the best Thor movie ever made. Okay. This, this to me, because... It's one thing if you're watching this movie and if you've never seen this movie, stop right now, go watch it because I'm going to ruin something, ruin it and like reveal something because I think the reveal is the most fun part. And I watched this movie when I was a kid and now watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, my God, that's Thor. And there's this big reveal. So so the little girl is obsessed with Thor. She wears the Thor helmet, right? Talks about Thor all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then the man who owns the tire shop who they have to convince to get the car back from for $50 for $50, which is such a steal. Even in 1987, I mean, a whole tire. That's great. Um, Oh, and they, and they also fixed the windshield that they broke for free. Yes, they did. That was was just thrown in. Um, He's revealed that it's like this big moment where it's like this guy's revealed. And then he looks like Thor and the little girl's convinced he's Thor and standing there buff with his Blonde, white, white, blonde, like, like, like bleach blonde. What would you call like that? Platinum blonde. Platinum blonde platinum hair. Platinum blonde. Is a young 1987 Handsome Vincent D'Onofrio. Beater wearing Vincent D'Onofrio. Now, oddly it, enough, <laughs> he's so jacked in this movie. So jacked. And he was, he showed up to the set for Full Metal Jacket while shooting this, like having just gotten done what? doing this jacked and they were like you can't look like that because you look like you could kick everybody's ass and you have to look like the guy that everybody could kick their ass so he had to gain a shit ton of weight very quickly to play gomer pile wow because he was so fucking jacked and i don't think that people are going to understand the fact that we are saying at one point in his life vincent (laughs) d'onofrio the man the myth the motherfucking legend was jickety jacked i mean Fully. And the, and the best part is he's <laughs> he's standing there and he's where the thing about it, too, is we've always seen Vincent D'Onofrio. We've seen Vincent D'Onofrio the, the rest of his career. Right. The man has like no hair or short hair or he's bald or some kind of variation of that. Well, he's bald from Gomer Pyle on. Like, yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing in this movie. He's wearing a red trucker hat, which spilling a, out from the side it, oh is this God. blonde it's platinum it's Thor hair. Beautiful. But it's hilarious because it looks like something you buy at a at a costume shop for Halloween where it's like, I want the red hat with the hair. It looks fake. It, it all looks like just a joke. And it's hilarious. And it's and he's playing it off like he's trying to not be Thor, but he is Thor. And it's kind of implied that he really is. Th- it, 
However they're oh, playing there's it. There's just like one of those moments in in 80s, 90s movies mm-hmm. where like the bad guy's soul kind of comes out and he like melts for the little kid, just like in Home Alone, the like yeah. scary old man. Like yeah. this is that moment where she's like, here, I know why you're being mean to us. You don't have your special helmet. And she tries to give him her Thor helmet. And just like, that's all it takes for him to just like come alive. Cause she's like, you're my hero. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, here you go. Take your helmet, kid. I've got one at home. And she's like, thanks, Thor. (laughs) She does all you want. I love it. (laughs) No, I love it. You understand? Vincent D'Onofrio is showing up in this super small one scene part as Thor just did it for me. Cause I was like, that's it. This movie is a, is a hidden gem. There's so much about it. If you're into music, I am not. I but am. But if you're into music, you've this got has, some fucking legends in this. So in this. So first off, you mentioned up front, like what's the line in the movie? Uh, ain't nobody, nobody gets can, out of this place without singing the blues. Without singing the blues, right? That that is um, a very very famous, very well, famous guitarist, very famous uh, a jazz guitarist, right? Jazz or blues? One a of those. A bit of both. Yeah. He was yeah. Albert Collins. Albert Collins, yeah. And then he died in '93, so died shortly yeah. after making this movie. And then, and this is the part that I didn't know about. I had to like Google it while I was while I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh wow!" Uh, then at some point in the movie, which by the way, I will say I don't remember this scene for whatever reason, and it and it seems like it's such like a weird diversion. But they end up at a frat party at some <laughs> point for for reasons, and um. And then there's a guy, like a, like musicians performing at a frat party. Now, just one other thing too. In in the late '80s, at frat parties, did they just have like pop music playing instead of like actual like rock music or like all like I like yeah, punk? Or, I don't know. I wasn't yeah. invited to any frat parties when my mom was having me in high school. Uh, Maybe but she Southside, was. <laughs> but Southside Johnny uh was playing which i didn't understand who southside johnny was i was like i know the name sounds familiar and it's embarrassing that i feel like i don't know that that's new jersey um, sound baby yeah exactly um from famous from hanging out and playing around with the with bruce himself correct yep and also billy branch is also in this and he's like a crazy crazy insane harmonica player he's also in this as well there's a there's, there's a lot of uh fun like random people that pop up uh I have a fun fact for you. <gasps> okay, bring it out. I'm excited. Um, so the movie uh, takes place in Chicago. You know what wasn't even filmed in Chicago? Yes, I did. Uh, Tell the kids did I, where it's filmed. Uh, Toronto? Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. Just so making sure. Now, now, now have, I'm second guessing myself. No, no, you're correct. And the reason that became a problem. Did you hear this story about why it became no. a problem? Uh, see, Toronto, this is why you're in charge of fun facts. Toronto was too clean. It didn't look like a believable downtown Chicago. So the areas that they were shooting in, they were putting litter on the streets and they had to hire a security team to stop the street cleaning people from picking up the litter that they put on because Toronto was too clean. And one of the only scenes that they shot in Chicago was the subway scene. Yeah. So they showed up to the subway at 3 a.m. to film the scene. Yeah. No one was there. The subway was shut down. (laughs) So one of the crew guys had to pick the lock and they broke into the Chicago subway system to film. Nice. I wonder Fun if the guy who broke facts. in was from, from Chicago himself. Sounds probably. Right. He's probably, oh, you got to fucking do is this. Yeah. I don't know there's, how people from Chicago talk. They talk like Julius Pepperwood. A, it's such a fun movie because like, it's like kids and they're running into like, you know, uh, one of the kids gets stabbed in the foot or kind of, or doesn't really, I don't even know if he actually gets stabbed in his like toe. Um, they go to the hospital and it, yep. it's all like downtown, any whatever city, but especially Chicago is very scary and very scary. I mean, like just the Brenda scene. Yeah. She's in the bus station <laughs> using a payphone, folks. If you don't know Get what that is, they used, they used to be these little areas you could put yeah. money on and call people. And so the, hers was an enclosed payphone. And on the floor, there's like these nasty fucking slippers and like. I don't even know what you'd call yeah. it. Accoutrements from the nice man who thinks he lives in there. And she's on the phone. He's banging on the thing. It's an older man. He's like, get he just, out of my house. Get out of my house. <laughs> and then she just kicks his stuff out of the phone booth. And she's like, 
you've been evicted. And then just closes yeah. the door. You've moved. And then the uh, there's some random guy standing at the bottom of the stairs who just like flashes a gun. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of fucking bus station is this? And then yeah. she's Greyhound. What was I mean, the other the guy? Answer. Yeah, Greyhound. <laughs> and then what was the other thing? Oh, uh, she's like, oh, there's the, a the, 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 the cute little kitten. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would like that part. Brenda loses her glasses and she has no vision whatsoever. And she sees a cute little kitten. And two, <laughs> and two, two uh, like janitors come up to her. And she's like, lady, we need the animal. And she's like, why? She's like, we got to kill it. Like, what? You're going to kill this little kitten? They start laughing. They're like, ma'am, that's a rat. <laughs> I would know it's a rat and still want to take it home just for the record. Poor Brenda. Just, Poor fucking Brenda. Just, I love I love that, though, because even like the, the characters of homeless and crazies that are torturing Brenda in in like as she's invading their space of the oh, yeah. downtown Chicago bus, bus station is so funny that it just keeps going. And she's like trying to take a nap and some girl steals her steals her glasses uh, just back and forth. I love it so much. It, it's so great. Brent, Brenda, Brenda's awesome in this. Brenda kills it. You know that she, that um, Elizabeth Shue wasn't the original girl for this, right? Well, I, I sort of knew that because I know that there was some convincing to have her drop out of, you know, uh, Harvard and do the movie. But who, did, did we know bananas. who the other choice was? So apparently um, this is a, technical you'll be able to explain this better than i am but like paramount was only going to make this movie if molly ringwald was the lead like they refused everybody else yeah so um the people that wrote the screenplay the producers deborah hill and linda linda opst they brought it to paramount and they thought that you know let's bring it to them they've got the first writer refusal yeah and they said that this has no commercial appeal whatsoever unless Molly Ringwald starred. They brought it to Touchstone, owned by Walt yeah. Disney. Yeah. And Walt Disney said, I don't think so. Elizabeth Shue is who they brought in. Valerie yeah. Bertinelli was actually the um, the way that Disney was going to go. Huh. But they said that she kind of came off mean and angry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. She's a little mean role. and angry. Yeah. yeah. You need someone a little bit more bubbly and effervescent. But that's the thing, too, is I think Elizabeth, she rides that line where, like, when she puts her foot down, like, you can, she seems like the kind of person to do that. And, but at the same time, too, she's still someone you can fawn over. Whereas yeah. Molly Ringwald, I don't know, Molly, Molly was too soft. I don't know. I couldn't have seen Molly Ringwald in this role. Like, she just get batted around. She would have died agree. in the first act. I agreed. And so Christopher Columbus really liked Elizabeth Shue because she had really good, com- like, comedic timing. Yeah. That Molly Ringwald didn't have or probably didn't present in her movies, but he gave the whole cast a list of movies that they had to watch before they started shooting. And that was Mm -hmm. Scorsese's After Hours, a Marx Brothers movies, um, two of them, Horse Feathers and Duck Soup. And he gave them those to watch because he's like, this is the comedic timing I want. And like, I guess Elizabeth Shue was probably excelled at that. But um, she's a super smart lady. This is technically before Pirates of the Caribbean, because Pirates of the Caribbean is 100% a Disney production where this is considered Touchstone owned by Disney. This is the first PG-13 movie and the first Disney movie to ever say fuck. Whoa. I will say, yeah, they definitely drop some salty language. They sure did. Again, in 2023 lens, I said it it a few times. I was like, oh, this movie cannot be made today. And to be clear, what I mean by not be made today is the language. There's a running gag that there is a Playboy uh-huh. playmate who is the like a dead ringer for Elizabeth Shue. And it, I mean, it literally is Elizabeth Shue, but they're just like, you know, it's not it's not Chris. It's just a lookalike, yada, yada. Um, the other thing, too, she I don't said know that like- that was the hardest thing she's ever had to do in a movie. Wait, like do like the fake Playboy the fake shoot. She's friend? like, I didn't take my clothes off. Yeah. But it was really, really fucking tough because even though it wasn't her. Yeah. Like she was like, that was like a very tough thing for her to do. And fun fact, but that I was just scrolling through my notes of this article. We said that the sister, the little sister didn't go on to do anything else. Oh, did I lie? Well, I was with you on that one. Did you know that she's in one of the Back to the Future sequels? Uh, She plays 
his aunt that he played she plays marty mcfly's aunt as a little girl oh Okay. I can't put a face on that right now. Like I can't I can remember see that. See the little like redheaded girls, like just dirty face. When like when he goes, uh, yeah, I can see it. in the first one or the second one. The first one, I think it's the first one. Yeah, it's the first one. Yeah, isn't she the little girl sitting at the table? Yeah, next she next plays to the, the aunt. kid from the Wonder Years. <laughs> and you want to know what's funny? Also, in the same article, it says that yeah. um, Back to the Future was offered. To Touchstone Disney first, and they turned uh-huh. it down because they thought a scene of a mom uh, being attracted to her son would not be a good look for Disney. Yeah, that's look at you well, now, Disney. You could have had the Back saying. to the Future ride. At the, <laughs> just at the saying. Stuff. I mean, maybe it's a okay. good thing because I mean, I, I mean, well, I don't know because I mean, you know, at least at least Back to the Future is locked in a vault right now. They're not going to try to remake it or anything. They, yeah, now. and Let's and just, there have been remakes of this, which I think we yeah. should hold off to the end for that because it's unfortunate. Yeah. By the way, but, I did I did completely lie. You are right. Okay. The the little girl also went on to star on a show that I do think they should bring back. I do okay. think they What's should that? remake. It was a, a little TV show on Fox in the late in the early nineties called Parker Lewis Can't Lose. And she played his annoying Parker that. Lewis's younger annoying sister. Oh, okay. Yes, I see it. I see it. I never watched that. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, great show. Love that show. And I would love for them to bring us something like that back. It was essentially like Parker Lewis is this overly cool kid with like a ragtag team of friends, you know, like a nerdy kid and a jock or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and then he's always like, oh, kind yeah, of like feuding with the principal. Um, and I think Fox was sort of like dinged at like a, is this just you kind of trying to rip off Ferris Bueller's day off <laughs> and try to make like a, fake Ferris Bueller's knockoff, which itself was tried to turn into a TV show and failed. But that's a whole other story. Well, um, Siskel and Ebert. So Ebert mm-hmm. said that he didn't like this. This felt very John Hughesy. felt like it was Ferris Bueller's day off, but for girls. Not a bad thing. And Ebert said mm-hmm. he preferred, or I'm sorry, Siskel preferred this to uh-huh. Ferris Bueller's. Well, he said this was way more enjoyable for him to watch than Ferris Bueller's day off. Well, I'll give it. I'll give this one thing too that I read somewhere, and I forget where I read it. Maybe it might even be on your fun facts that the movie was like the director of photography purposely filmed this like a drama, mm-hmm. like it wasn't filmed like a comedy. It wasn't bright lights or like you know everyone every, everything was like poorly or dimly lit on purpose to give it that kind of gritty look. But also, I think they mentioned something along the lines of, and don't quote me on this, like sort of like keeping the keeping the audience on their toes of like. They wanted them to feel uncomfortable because it is in like an alien setting and like there's this like, you know, kids from the suburbs and they're in this environment that is not fun and safe. They, it is very scary. I mean, the like what it like they get into the city and then they get towed and then immediately there's like gunfire and like there's carjackers. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's, I love this movie. It's so good. Well, um, the original... Uh, do you, what do you call a superhero? The original superhero that Sarah's obsessed with is He-Man and She-Ra. Huh. And last minute, because uh, that was the screenplay, and then last yeah. minute, Chris Columbus was like, um, I'm a huge fan of comics, and I want yeah. to be Thor. So he changed the really? script from, she- yeah, from She-Ra and He-Man. And oddly enough, later the year after this came out, Masters of the Universe came out, fucking flippity flopped. Yeah. And so toy sales went down like crazy. Uh-huh. And so had they stuck with that, they were like, oh, that would sucked because, yeah. you know, whatever. But now Thor's, Thor's doing all right. Like, when yeah. our generation thinks of Thor, I want them to be thinking of blonde Vincent D'Onofrio, <laughs> but we're thinking of a beautiful Hemsworth. And that's fine. I'm fine well, with that. I was going to say, based off what you just said, it almost makes me a little, like, disappointed that. When they made Thor movies, they didn't call Mr. Chris Columbus. I mean, he might have been. I forget what year they made yeah, Thor. He really but, loves them too. I mean, what what year what year did Thor come out? Like the original, you know, like 2011 with, with the Hemsworth. Yeah, with the Hemsworth guys. So 2011. So, I mean, he was busy doing Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the Lightning Thief, and then he was not. Fucking love for a couple those of years. books and that movie. 
Stay he tuned. wasn't busy for a couple. He wasn't busy for a couple years leading to the pixels. Which oh. at that point he'd be sitting in a corner and just be like, "All right, you're on a timeout." You know, a lot of new pixels. It's terrible. Do you want to hear a really funny story that I think you will appreciate? So, Mr. Coogan, after he acknowledged the like age difference between him and Elizabeth Shue, yeah. he said that he like was out to dinner with her and brought up the prospect of them maybe dating, and she said she laughed in his face so hard, exactly like she does in the movie, and it totally oh. crushed his heart, and he took that with him <laughs> in the movie. And he said, when the frat boy rescues her in the movie, I used all that heartbreak I had and the jealousy, and I felt very jealous and possessive of her. Can I Can I also tell you, that's another thing. Well, also, how, how he's 53. Is he literally 10 years younger than him, than her? It says just, six years in real life. Six years. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. So she's, as of today, she's 59, he's 53. Okay. So, yeah. so that makes sense. What, what I was going to say... Oh, that's such heartbreaking. And he was, and she was what, 24? So how old she was she? She just shattered his baby little heart. Oh my God. 18. Poor, poor Keith Coogan. But what I was going to say too is I partially like that about this movie, but I also hate it because I don't like the guy she sort of ended up with, which is yeah. uh, George Newburn. But the, the way the movie runs is, yes. So she starts out with Bradley Whitford yeah. and- the kid she's babysitting, who in the movie is only supposed to be like, only supposed to be two years difference than her, who is like fawning over her and has a crush, right? Yeah. And I think in any other '80s movie, they would have ended up together, right? Because they would have went through this entire experience and came out the other side. Instead, she randomly runs into this uh, frat party for reasons, and then borrows money from the guy is that what that, he, he does give her money right i think that's part of it yeah and i don't i don't know because and then he tracks you know, this, her down and they end up together they do and you remember the end where like he comes to like you know dan lynch dan played by george newburn comes yeah. to like give back the roller skate that sarah left in his car yes. or whatever the fuck yeah, it yeah, is yeah okay and then you look up and oh. our poor little boy is just watching it happen through the and window. But, but the best part and like I just I literally just watched this clip before we started recording. It's so cute because Anthony Rapp like pats him on the back like oh. it's OK, buddy. Oh. And they're watching in the window. Oh, so sad. This, by the way, after he got stabbed in the foot for trying Not to a defend great time. <laughs> Not a great time for him. The, the things we God. do for love. You know, the things we do for love. But that is clear, such like a, oh. Yeah, to be clear, though, I just want to make this very clear. I'm not advocating for like, oh, he did all this and he deserves her. I'm just saying in the way 80s movies were written or movies in general, right? Like they went through this traumatic experience together. Her boyfriend yeah. was an asshole. He stood up to the boyfriend. They got into a fight in the restaurant. And the, uh, Keith, uh, uh, Brad and uh, played by Keith Coogan goes through all this stuff to defend her and defend really her honor her. and he really loves her and then she's just like oh no you're two years younger than me and then ends up with the <laughs> with the guy that's like four years older than her <laughs> <laughs> wait and more because she's supposed to be 17 and he's like he's uh something in college he's in a frat right so oh, and he's yeah. not a he's, yeah and and clearly he's not like a pledge so he's not like a freshman in college so you can deduce enough that this guy is like 22, 20, 21, 22, and she's 17, and she goes for him instead of the the, the kid that she spent I know. the entire night but with. I know. It's really sad. I know. Poor. poor I Brad. know. And back to our um our little tales about where it was shot. Did you know that Chris Columbus like worked really hard on letting the studio bring everybody back to Chicago for the blues scene, though? Back to the no. music part. Yeah, he brought them back to to Chicago because he was like, if we're going to film a blues scene, we've got to do it in a yeah. blues club, in a blues bar in oh, Chicago. So that scene was in Chicago. That scene was in Chicago. Wow, and um, apparently he, there was like, a, it has it was not in the original screenplay. That whole thing was not in the screenplay. That was a Christopher Columbus um, whole <laughs> oh, wait, dream that he wanted to do. 
You keep calling him Christopher Columbus. I know I do. Which is I'm so sorry. He and he's just, a really he bad person. Uh, Chris <laughs> Columbus. I'm going to call yeah, him Harry this? Potter. Father Columbus of the Harry Potter universe. I know. I know. I know that we've renamed Columbus Day to like Indigenous Peoples Day. But can we just keep it back at Columbus Day and then instead celebrate the the, the legacy and filmography of Chris, of Chris Columbus? Columbus? <laughs> I'm going to ask my indigenous friends and be like, let's just really fuck his shit up. Like, let's just pretend he never existed. I think that's viable. I think that's what we should be doing. I think this year on October 9th, we should celebrate all the movies of Chris Columbus. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. And I'm also going to celebrate... I'll let my indigenous friends tell me how else I can celebrate. I'm going to, but now, now if he, if he directed a movie like last of the Mohicans or something to that extent, we can sort of combine the two, but I unfortunately, yeah, but you know, some of those movies did not cast indigenous people in them. Yeah. That's a shame. I know. That's why um, mystery men cast someone who was indigenous. (laughs) We're going to have to look into this more before, before we make this an international holiday. <sighs> We're gonna yeah. look into this. Uh yeah. what? Okay, I'm <laughs> you just discovered something. I'm watching you discover re- something in real time. <laughs> so I clicked the link that I had in my notes, right? Yeah. Okay, so there was an accidental bungle with one of the props that led to a narrative breakthrough. Um, they're shooting a sequence behind the toy store running down the alley and it was like really clumsy. There was a line of dialogue that wasn't really, it wasn't landing. So yeah. it was really late and they need to get it out. So Sarah had the hat, the hammer, the backpack and the cape. Yeah. And they're completely done for the night. Everybody's leaving. And the script supervisor came up to the producer and said, I feel terrible. She didn't have that backpack in the scene. She should have had it and she didn't have it. So Chris, Chris, Columbus and I are thinking this is a pretty big deal and we thought wait we can use this we never really thought how George Newbern the boyfriend shows up to the house unless the skate was in the car with her dress on it so um, the person forgetting the backpack is how the skate ended up in the car and how he ends up at the house so it like kind of rewrote the script a little bit oh okay but it follows. So that's what I had in my notes. Yeah. It follows up with the original script didn't include Thor. It was Dan Rather. <laughs> Sarah's idol worshiping apparently went through a few phases. Originally, she had a crush on Dan Rather. In the original script, she was a news junkie. <laughs> then they changed it to her having a huge crush on the Chicago Bears. And Jeffrey Katzenberg said, nope. In 10 minutes, nobody will remember them. And then they started landing on comic book characters. Yeah. Let's just talk about the version of this movie where this little girl is obsessed with Dan Rather (laughs) and Vincent D'Onofrio has to play Dan Rather. (laughs) It would have been funny if Dan Rather actually showed up. He's like, I also own a tire shop in Chicago. Oh my I'm god! Happy the way what it a different movie that would be. Holy! Santa I also Claus think it would, if they did the whole if they did the whole like uh, <laughs> bears route. I think that yeah. also would have been super cheesy and that super cheesy. And unfortunately, with athletes, unless it's like one of those years that storybook winnings happen, nobody fucking remembers the name of the running back on the Bears from no. 1987. No, it's just, especially if they're playing themselves, like. Like, you know, everything else aside, I have to put it aside. I'll still watch the Naked Gun movies despite O.J. Simpson acting in it. But that's he's a, not that's playing. That's unfortunate. A, yeah, I know. It's unfortunate. But he's the only football player in a movie that I'm like, all right, that's 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 uh, done differently. And also the rest of the movie sort of like. You don't feel like that in Ace Ventura? I like the football player ad additions into Ace Ventura. Well, well. Well, who do you have in there? I mean, you have uh, Dan Marino, which Dan Marino. is, so, but he's so legendary. That's very true. That, he's gone on yeah. to be legendary without murder, so he's done okay. Right. <laughs> but he's, that's like he's having like Joe, Monta- Joe Montana. I almost said Joe Montana. That's a very different. That's a that's a different person. Uh, Joe Montana being in like a, like if if they're like such a legendary character, it's almost like oh, it, but you can't you can't figure that out, you know, especially like current Jan like you know players. This is completely unrelated, but my friend Taryn, if you are listening to this, her uncle looks just like Joe Montana. And it's actually their anniversary today that we are filming this. And at their wedding, I I was so drunk and I couldn't. I'm like, it's fucking Joe Montana. 
There's no universe you can't convince me. This is not Joe Montana. He lives in Florida. See, How is this need, not Joe Montana? What you need to do is go up to him and be like, hey, can I get a picture? And then go on Instagram and be like, I met Joe Montana. No, we were all saying it to him. Like every single one of us was hand. We're like, yes, you sir or not? Like, yeah, but it would have been funnier if you're like drunkenly update Instagram. And, you know, you have to get a few spelling errors in there, too, just to po- prove the point of like, I met Joe Montana. <laughs> I could have because I was so drunk at that wedding. Um, happy anniversary, Jimmy and Taryn. I was yeah. so drunk at that wedding that I had to be put to bed by my lovely fiance at about 9 p.m. <laughs> 9 p.m. I was put to bed. Like carried to the room, put to bed. Damn. So um, let's talk about the spinoffs. Well, first, let's talk about uh, this. And I need you to be, you have your yeah. Googleometer ready? Yeah. Can you please? Okay, so. The poster, which we've talked about earlier, was illustrated yeah. by Drew Streisand. Streisand. He's okay. apparently a legendary movie poster illustrator, and he did all Ooh. the Star Wars, Back to the Future, Indiana okay. Jones, and Goonies. So yeah. that kind of style, like if you look at the Goonies poster and then you look at this poster, very similar. Yeah. He Just in the way that it's illustrated. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which makes sense. S- completely. Yeah. In the UK, uh-huh. they made the name different. Did you know about this? No. I knew oh. I knew the original name for the movie. Okay, what was the original name? Oh, I think I think maybe I was confusing the two, but all right, I I I only know this because of Wikipedia, but I'll, I'll let you okay. take it. So, a night on the town is what they called it in the UK. Look Where's at that I? fucking poster. Oh wait, where do I find this? All right, night of the town, poster. UK poster. Well, for, that's be, not even clear, the craziest one. To be clear, because we're 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 an audio podcast here, yes. so Adventures of Babysitting, it's. You have adventures of babysitting in this like glossy kind of like what do you compare it to? Like the like the lettering and the font. It has that like metallic, glossy kind of look to it. Yeah, and it's like very 80s, right? So it's got that yeah. green glow behind the city that the Chicago skyline is behind yeah. them. And it's them so- and it's and it's the the entire like group, the babysitter and the kids, uh like climbing a wall, kind of like Batman in the 60s. Going down a building, essentially. Yeah. yeah climbing like down the, or the, up a building. Yeah, they're like climbing a rope, like walking up a building. What do they call that? Like, like, like that is called uh, something. Yeah, something. Uh, Okay, but but so that's that's the original poster. Night of the Town poster, UK. Let's see what we got here. I don't know if I'm getting the right one because all the ones it's showing me is is like a wide version of it. What is happening? Okay, let's see. Wait. Why is the guy? It's so weird. They change her outfit. They yeah. change the poster. They change the buildings. That's okay. not even the weirdest one. Okay. So to be clear, in the original, you have Elizabeth Shue holding the rope and with the little girl wrapped around her neck kind of dangling there. And then the two other yes. boys, the teenagers, climbing the rope below her. In the UK poster, it's the random frat guy at the end of the movie at the top for reasons holding, holding her holding her rescuing holding her, her because because a woman couldn't man. possibly be doing this by herself yes women women need men uh and then the little girl's not even there she's not even there they forgot her she fell it's a completely <laughs> different city oh my god it is that's, that's new york not, that's the empire state building it's, it's not even the right city who did this and, <coughs> i have no idea and like they change her <laughs> skirt so and her heels so it looks a little classy, a little sexy. Well, yeah, because in the original poster, she's wearing like knee length skirt. And I can't even I don't know if you can even tell what what shoes she's wearing, but like they're not like she's got socks penny on. Loafers. She's wearing okay, socks penny, and penny loafers. loafers. In this one, she's wearing like she's a, wearing like an actual a, outfit she wears in the movie. Which makes yeah. sense. And this and, one, it and, looks like she's a, a fucking secretary. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then the kids are just there like, uh, what's happening? Where, what do we do? Where did my, where did the little girl go? Is and she's she wearing dead? these like one inch heels. Like what? Like what the fuck is this outfit? That's the first one. Now I need like I just need. Oh, okay. So now that you guys have this visual, please look it up on your yeah. own because it's going to make you laugh. Yeah, it is. Go to the Japanese version. Oh, my God. What is that? What have I searched that one? I is would just still put Adventures of Babysitting Japanese poster. Oh, okay. Here we go. 
Let's, it's not good. Uh, I think I have to search uh, adventures in babysitting. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Japanese. Adventures in babysitting, Japanese movie okay. poster. Okay, now let's look here, folks. Okay. There it is. So, so, okay. Okay, so one of the things I'll point out to you is, uh, okay. <laughs> Who wrong is with the this scary man with a wait, claw wait, wait. hand? I, okay, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna get to that. So, so to be clear, one of the one of the uh, one of the climactic scenes in the movie is they go to that building. I don't even know the name of that building in Chicago, but it's like it like the entire roof is like a is all glass panels mm-hmm. and it's like a 45 degree angle. And in one of the scenes, a little girl is like slides down there. It's like going out the building, and the, and the bad guy is chasing her. Um. Now there's a the bad guys like the mobsters who are chasing after them because they stole a Playboy, and then there's the truck driver, handsome. What was his name again? Do you remember his name? It's not handsome like, Dan. Uh, it wasn't handsome, handsome Dan. Ah oh, shit! I just had the cast list in front of me. It is uh, handsome, handsome John. Handsome Perrude. John. Handsome John Prude, played by John Ford Noonan, and he has no hand and he has like one of those like claw hands at the, in the beginning of the movie. And they're like, at first they're scared of him and he's like, Oh, I lost it in a tire accident. And they're like, Oh, we're sorry for being scared for you. And he's kind of played for like a, he seems scary, but in reality, he's actually a nice guy. Right. This poster in Japan, Japan, for some reason, first off, I will say I, uh, I guess I'm okay with the fact they put them outside on the t- on that rooftop in this, yeah, that's I'm almost fine. okay with that. What's with then- racism? What's with the fucking racism? <laughs> so yeah, so basically, like replacing the moon skyline behind them is the one of the very few uh, bad guys in the movie. The the one black man who they were like make him scarier, so give him the white truck driver who we know is actually a good guy's like claw hand for reasons. And so, I, like, come on. I was like, what the fuck? Uh, a night on the town. So oh, wow. fucking weird. Okay, so and, that's- hey, you know what? I'll give it to the Japanese. A little bit extra racism, but at least they didn't like less sexism, more racism. Is that is that a fair uh, When did synopsis we think that the, the U.S. Post? was going to be the one with the most politically correct poster here? <laughs> I don't um, know. I don't either. And hilarious. then- uh, let's talk these remakes, though. Oh, yeah. I don't... Uh, I'm so... So, so in 1989, uh, uh-huh. a mere two years after the yeah. su- the success of this movie, which cost $7 million to make, grossed $34 million. Pretty decent return. Yeah. Not too shabby in the 80s. Um, CBS shot a pilot as a remake for this movie starring your boy Joey Lawrence and Brian Austin Green. Well, hang on, just to back up. They had a tendency to do this because I think I don't know if it was them or NBC that did the uh, Ferris Bueller pilot that also crashed. And part of me wants to say that it also also included um, <laughs> that they also included Joey Lawrence. Joey in that Lawrence, they, and Brian Austin Green. They just really they just kept trying to, to shove him into things for whatever reason. Um, the the pilot, by the way, <clears throat> the, the Chris in that pilot was played by Je- uh, Jennifer Guthrie, who went on to play uh, a role on the aforementioned Parker Lewis can't lose with the girl uh-huh. from this movie. So, okay. But uh, Joey Lawrence played Brad and uh, Brian Austin Green played Daryl and mm-hmm. Courtney Peldon. Mm-hmm. That some of these names sound familiar. And then I look at that. I'm like, I don't know who that is. Are they, should I know them? Are they from, from are they from something? Uh-huh. Um, uh, but I, I think this girl just played in a bunch of random movies. But um, she played Sarah as a little kid. But um, I don't. What I don't understand is what's the what's the concept? Because this is like not a road trip movie. This this I think this is like a there's a whole other like category. I think you kind of put these movies into. But it's almost like a road trip movie because they're like they're outside the house. They're around the city. They have to get in the home. Most there's like a bomb ass fucking wooded side of station wagon. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> And legit. But how do you go from that to being like, hey, let's make it a 22 episode series? I have no idea. And also, uh, so that didn't work, right? No. Didn't work. And that was just a pilot, right? Did that ever air? Just a pilot. That was it. Never aired, never was picked up, unsold completely. 
Apparently in 2011, there was like a little rumor that Miley Cyrus was going to star as the Chris character in a remake. She said that that never happened. That was kiboshied. But um, then it did happen. And it's fucking trash. (sighs) It is. Yeah. It's so So, bad. So it was a it was a Disney Channel original movie. It is the 100th Disney Channel original movie. It came out in uh, 2016. Um, and they just sanitized the whole thing. Like that's, I think the part that just like hurts my heart a little bit. That's a very good way to put that. Granted, like, you know, okay, we look at the original, what we're going to carry over all the cursing, uh, all the, all the, the shenanigans that happened to Brenda at the bus station. I don't think you can include any of that in a Disney channel original movie. Um, but, and also there are, are there two? babysitters in this is that the dude i watched fucking just the pile not okay i'm I said trailer just the trailer and i was like that is so bad and i am a disney movie junkie my sister and i like any disney movie made in the 90s we've seen it we can quote it we're obsessed with it it was our personality this one was made later on it is Uh so bad maybe good for this for a younger generation, like kids like yeah. 10 to 15. But yeah. this this movie, the beauty of these movies, this one especially, is you were watching it together with your kids and laughing yeah. just as hard as they were. You can't do that. Yeah. That, like, it's trash. Sorry, yeah. Disney. And and the thing is, to be clear, too, because I'm, I'm trying to read a little bit of the synopsis, and I mean, I think maybe you understand it better, but it seems like they just completely threw the original, like, like the only thing that's the same about this is that a, there's a babysitter and a car gets towed and they have to try to get the car back. Is that essentially the the only remaining? I think so. It says two teen rival babysitters. What yeah. the fuck is a rival babysitter? Oh, man. In your town growing up, there weren't rival babysitters. No, my you mom didn't... said, lock the door. Here's 20 bucks. Don't answer the phone. <laughs> It's the rival babysitter yeah. or our next door neighbor, Joy, came over. Can I tell you, even as, as a young boy growing up, I will say I wasn't I had no interest in the babysitters club, but I, I did, did have so appreciation. Well, because that, that fit your demographic, but I did have an appreciation for the concept of all these young girls starting up like a business. And I was like, that was the part that was like, oh, man, can't there be like a. Did you have appreciation or were you sp- were you just like trying to gather material for your young spank bank? It's like, no, yeah, Stacy's no. going to come over and babysit me. She's hot. <laughs> I never, uh, I'm not, I don't have to dive that in. I don't really have, well, I never had a babysitter. So I never, I never got to like experience that side of, never? you know, yeah, never. Here, never had okay, so this is a fun none game. Of the, none of those categories work for me. Never had a babysitter. Never had a babysitter. Because I was going to say, let's tell a fun, crazy story that happened when you had a babysitter and you've never had one. No, the closest I got was like a family friend oh, watched I lost me. You. Oh, there you are. The the closest I got was like a family friend watched me, who was also like a teenager for like I don't know twenty minutes, and he locked me in a closet. But he was like my cousin's friend. And that was it. That's that's what I got. But why did he lock you in the closet? Like he just legitimately put you there and locked. Because I was just being annoying. So oh. he was just like, "Oh, right, just go away," and lock me in the closet. So that was it. That's the closest I get. That's a little bit traumatic. Like you're being quite like, no, no, this wasn't a that traumatic. That's quite traumatic. And, okay. No, and to and to be clear, when I say locked me in the closet, it wasn't a giant. It was it was a giant closet with okay. all my toys inside. Okay. Where like enough room where I can play. So it was like I was just in there playing with my toys. It was fine. Everything was fine. Okay. Our okay. Mine is fucking straight up traumatic. Well, so, well hang on. Your babysitter was it a like someone family or like did they hire a? Fa- she was our neighbor. She was our neighbor. Okay. Okay. Who was years older than me? Okay. How many? Five years older. We're than talking me? five years. Oh, four years? okay. All right. This is this is okay. Four years this older territory. than me. So beautiful, yeah. like okay. gorgeous. Okay. So you have like, babysitter fantasies? Is that was no? We're this is this okay. is. She was just so cool and kind to us, even though we were younger. Like she knew we looked up to her a lot, and she was so kind to us. And like, like just she was cool as shit. She was just cool, you know what I mean? Like yeah. she came over, she had like the cool outfit on, and she was cool, and she like let us do whatever we wanted. Well, her brother, um, yeah. and his friend were at their house, and her brother was closer in age to me than she was. 
So in between the two of us was her brother's age. She. The way that my parents front door is, is, you know, those doors that have the two glass paned windows on either side, but the main door only has like a small cutout window so that it's like a solid door. You can't really see you see through the glass, but it's it's like triple paned and kind of so it looks like blurry. You can't really see through it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that's my parents front door. And on either side is um, regular glass where the outside of it is kind of die cut. So that's a little blurry, but the very center is completely clean. Okay. So my parents had gone out to dinner for some like work event. My mom was a nurse. She was getting it was like an awards dinner or something, I think. Yeah. Okay. So we get a knock on the door. Uh huh. Her brother was like, um, uh, I was more friends with him than anything, but like. He went on to be like in the military, very, very intelligent, like worked bomb EOD, like super smart kid. But he had like a fake pellet gun that looked like a handgun. Okay. So he and his friend that he had over while we were being babysat put black balaclavas on. Jesus Christ. Banged on our door. Uh Uh-huh. I run to see who it is because she's like, do you guys know who that is? I'm like, no, I don't know who yeah. it is. And I look through the window and there are two men with guns and black balaclavas <laughs> standing by the door. And I can see them perfectly because yeah. there's one on either side in the only part of the glass that you can see through and they each have a gun and they're tapping it on the fucking window, laughing, saying, open up. Open oh up, Amanda. God. We know your parents aren't home. Open up. But wait, do you not recognize the voice at all at this no, point? No, I don't know the friend. Okay. I don't know the oh, friend. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I fucking run and I'm like, Joy, there's people outside with guns. They have guns. <laughs> she runs out. All she sees is two full grown men with fucking guns. And she's got two little girls and a baby oh, wait, she that she's out? responsible for. No, no, no. Run to the front door. My parents oh, have a very okay, large okay. house, like big hallways. Yeah, okay. So then she runs into the back room. This is like 1995, 96. Okay. (laughs) Runs into the back room, tries to call my parents. There's no cell phone. Yeah. She calls the emergency number that my mom left for this like dinner thing. It's a restaurant or whatever the fuck it is. Leaves a message for them with the fucking hostess stand. Okay. (laughs) Then she's like, we have to call the cops. Like it was a whole fucking thing. We had to call the cops. We think these men with guns are outside. This is the worst part, Tom. We then hear the front door click open. We're hiding in my parents' bedroom because he knows where the spare key is. Wait, because can, can he's like up? family. Well, can I just back up one second? What? what and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll use a fun little effect here. But what? Like, would she like? You said she left a message. There's people. Uh-huh. There's people with guns at the door, and she's just like, "Hi, um, I'm calling to leave a message because." Um, there's people with guns at the door. Uh, just FYI, like what? Like what? That doesn't make any sense. Like also, out of all the numbers she calls, that's well, the one she's like. She's better call the parents 11th, who aren't here. Like tenth or eleventh grade. But I feel okay, like even at that not- point, I feel like even at that point, you're aware of like, yeah, guns equal. 911 guns oh, well, with masks I believe equal the cops have already faster. been called. I believe the cops oh, had already okay. been called at this point. But she's like, hey, okay. I have to call your parents and tell them that we've called the cops, essentially. Oh, so okay. she calls them. Okay. <laughs> Got to cover cops all bases. Been called. Got it. Okay. Okay. But <laughs> so then we hear the door open and then she's like, oh my fucking God. So now she's pushing us into my parents' bathroom. <laughs> There's like a giant, very deep jacuzzi tub. And she's like, go in there. She's like trying to throw blankets on us to keep us safe and covered. And she's Blanket like- stop bullets. That's, that's- Let's just talk about what a, what a badass she was at this yeah. stage in her life. I want to say 10th or 11th grade. She's like, I'm going to make sure the kids are safe, cover them up, and I'm going to stand here and protect them in the bathroom. Jeez. Oh, she was ready to take a stand. She was ready to fuck these motherfuckers up. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And then we hear boots walking down the hallway. My parents oh have hardwood floors and we're like, oh, we're going to fucking die tonight. What are three little girls doing? Crying their eyes out. Okay. And then in walks her fucking brother and his friend with their little like ski masks oh, pulled up to God. their head. Like, why are you guys freaking out? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> now everything's already unfolded because now the cops are called. My mom's leaving this dinner. Like it's a whole yeah. big fucking thing. So that's my traumatic babysitting story. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Wait, so did the cops ever show up? Sure fucking did. And, sure and did. How, would you explain that? But like, oh, don't they were remember. just pretending to be uh, murderers. Yeah, I don't remember. Jeez. Also, this is little kid brain. So a lot of that could have been yeah. fabricated into little kid story. But that's how I remember. It. You got to reach out to her and be like, hey, this is what I remember. Is this your recollection, too? We've talked about it at length because like we've oh, yeah. stayed friendly with her. Yeah. For many, many, many years. Um, her dad still lives in that same house. It's like yeah. very close to my parents. house. So, yeah, that's that's the fun. That's my fun babysitting story. That's how we're going to end this episode. I mean, and, and to, to bring it full circle, I will say. I, I don't think at any point Chris, Elizabeth Shue's character, ever just goes, you know what? We're being chased by the mob. Maybe I should just go to the police instead. Like She's the, from Chicago, Tom. They don't fuck around, okay? I guess, yeah. Snitches get stitches. That's right. She's like, and, not me. I'm from sh- Chicago. I'm and Julius Brad Pepperwood. got stitches. So, Brad, of course. Brad yeah. got what he fucking deserved, that yeah, exactly. 87-year-old, 15-year-old, or whatever the fuck he was. <laughs> Poor guy. Who got so rejected that's- by Elizabeth Shue? <laughs> It's so sad. And I like how he tried to be like, um, and I used that as projection into my character. Oh, <laughs> no, you didn't. So sad. No, you didn't. You were just devastated that you, you had to be on a movie so set with for three more months. Yeah. And, and you knew that she wanted nothing to do with you. Oh, that poor kid. That woman went to went to Harvard and dropped out of Harvard to be there. And then she's like, yeah, but not with you. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be honest. There's a lot of things in this movie that did not age well. We do not no. condone them. No. But that to me, that's just a girl. She's just Chicago girl. She's going to do what she's going to do. And that boy, you know, he's it's a good life lesson. It's a good life lesson. It is. Yeah. We, what we should have had is his offshoot movie. What was that? I don't know. I'm just writing it right now. <laughs> We had his offshoot movie, his heart's broken and he goes on a murdering rampage. The next babysitter, he just bones, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> in his parents' bed. I have no idea. Uh, no, Anthony raps like, hey, my friend has a, my friend's having a party in New York. We should go. Yeah, we should go. Sorry, that's really dark. It was good. It'll get even worse. Okay. Joke. All right. Uh, sorry about I that. I got one. it. I got it. I know. Um Oh, so that's that it, guys. That's Adventures of Babysitting, 1987 classic, the year I was born. Also, this wonderful movie came out. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that that you were an 87 baby. I sure am. 311-87. Whoa. You got it all like- It rhymes. I didn't plan that. <laughs> I don't think my mom's uterus did either. Fair enough. All right. I'll, I'll, do, the, uh, I'll do the rundown. Uh, we got to thank our- Run through our credits. You ready for this? Yes, I sure am. Uh, thank you to our editor, Steph Winninger. Uh, thank you to our production coordinator, Kyle Bosch, our social media producer, Dale Stampley. I am the executive producer. It's me, Tommy West. Uh, and then Can We Talk About is a production of Gotham West Studios. Follow us on all the social medias. It's Can We Talk About Podcast. And you can also find us at canwetalkaboutpodcast.com. And if you are on any of those lovely podcast sites, it really does help us if you guys can drop us a review and subscribe to us, follow us, yeah, do all the things, those. and we do give out free merch, and um, I don't know how many times we have to tell you guys, this shit is free. It's like free. We have lots of We have, like, lots of free stuff on the way, like, really cool free stuff, so if you, you, should, you should be Get hanging out know, with my friends. Get in the know. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.